You're listening to the Mind Body Musings Podcast, the show where you can learn the most intricate details about the body, the mind, and how lifestyle choices link the two to create individual health for every shape and size. I'm fitness and nutrition expert Maddie Moon, here to enlighten you on how to live your life in a way that promotes satiation, thrivation, and self-appreciation. Hope you enjoy the show. Hi, and welcome back to the show, y'all. Today, I'm talking with a strong voice in the body image industry whose goal is to help women feel worthy, beautiful, and powerful instead of not enough. Erin Brown started this journey because she wanted her daughter to grow up surrounded by women who don't devalue any part of themselves as unimportant or wrong. Being overweight at a young age, she had to deal with the cruelty of schoolmates and a plunging self-esteem as time went on. After finding out she was pregnant with her first child, she knew things had to change and the process would be long but well worth it. After a 90-pound weight loss, she made it her life mission to inspire women to live their best lives and not be burdened with the need to chase an ever-changing ideal. This message falls in line too perfectly with what the Mind Body Musings podcast is all about, so let's get started. Welcome to the show, Erin. Hello. Hello. I'm so glad you could join me. <laughs> it's nice to be here. <laughs> so let's go ahead and just jump right in. I want to hear all about your background because I haven't had someone really with your kind of background experience on the show before. So I think a lot of things that I've gone through are really similar to what you've gone through, but kind of reversed. You have a really inspiring weight loss story. And I was always kind of the girl who never had weight to lose, but always thought I did and was just like super self-conscious about having, I had a thin body, but I was always so worried about it. And so I'm so like interested to hear how your story started and how you got so interested in health and wellness and fitness and worked through your body image struggles. Well, mine was sort of both. When I was, I've always been obsessed with this, this knowledge, this knowing that something was, really wrong with me. And the first place to pick apart and point to was my body. But when I look back at photographs of myself and, you know, can can see myself next to other children, I mean, four years old was the first time I remember really feeling disparagingly about how fat I was. And I was an average size kid. I just didn't do that thing that a lot of um, kids do where they grow really tall one year and don't fill out accordingly. So they're really like lanky for a year or so. I never did that. I always filled out, but I was really an, an average weight person um, until junior high, but really was always consumed with this idea that something was wrong with me. My weight started climbing in junior high. There was, um, in my, my story, there was a trauma that happened and, um, I started eating to self-soothe. I stopped taking care of myself. Um, just a lot of things kind of took a turn like they do for a lot of people around junior high. Um, and so I would do things like like I saw all of my friends doing. Um, in junior high specifically, I toyed around with um, disordered eating. I was never an addict, so it was never an eating disorder, but I would try and go as long as I could without eating, or I would eat and throw up. Um, when I got um, to high school and then more so college when I had more free reign over my time, I would do binges of exercising. 
um, wherein I would just really belittle myself the whole time I was doing something. So I would go for a run and use that opportunity to belittle my fitness abilities or um, how jiggly I was when I was doing it and lose weight because I wasn't eating and exercising so much and then quit because that's awful (laughs) Um, and gain more weight and start over again. So it wasn't until I found out that I was having a daughter that I realized that I wasn't concerned about being a negative role model for her because of my size. And when I got pregnant with her, I weighed 240 pounds at the beginning of that pregnancy. Um, I wasn't concerned about that. I didn't care if I was a, a fat mom. I wasn't worried about having a fat kid. I suddenly became acutely aware that what my problem had always been is the way that I talked to myself and how I felt about myself. And that what I would not pass on to her was that inner voice that was so, so harsh (laughs) and so mean that I carried with me everywhere. Um, And I didn't have any idea how to go about finding my worth and feeling at home in my body. And so the way that that journey started for me is thinking back through my life, the only women I knew who ever had anything positive to say about their bodies or any kind of positive relationship with their bodies were athletes. And so I looked at my 240-pound newly pregnant body and said, "Uh, you're going to become an athlete. (laughs) And that started with walks around the block, um, turned into running, turned into lifting. Now I do a variety of things to stay well. Um, But, yeah, I mean, it was really just about having no idea where to start but knowing that I wasn't going to model this terrible sense of self-worth. A lot of things came from that. My eating habits changed. My self-care changed. Um, I struggled with depression from junior high on, uh, particularly um, in the winter is it's most challenging for me. And I find that the more on top of my self-care I am, particularly with exercise, the better I feel and the less issues with that I have. Um, but yeah, I guess that's the, that's the cliff's notes. My professional history is maybe different than people you've had on the show as well. I was a social worker for 10 years and then a personal trainer, and now I just write so that's, <laughs> is that as short as I can make my story? It might be. <laughs> that's awesome. I mean, that's really inspiring. And it is true that athletes, you know, they take care of their body in a certain kind of way and they start to see it as, you know, performance and not just about the physical things, um, you know, because they have to perform at a certain level for their sport or whatever. So it's a really great gateway into mm-hmm. better life choices. Um, so I guess I'm wondering, so like when you decided to, you know, get healthier or um, lose some of the initial weight, how did you go about it? How did you get your mindset? Because I know so many people who have weight to lose and they kind of have this either all or nothing approach. And so it ends up being nothing because they just try to go so hard at first and then they get discouraged or they take baby steps and then they gradually make it there or, you know, they're just too discouraged to even get started because they just think they have such a long way to go. How did you get started with that? Right. Um, Well, the first thing that I did was just commit to moving 20 minutes a day. And I did that five or six days a week. So some days that was really carefully planned out training, um, especially once I got really into weightlifting. There was a time period where I was super nerding out about my strength training. Um, Or some days that was putting the baby to bed and then going into my bedroom and looking at the clock and moving around until 20 minutes had passed. (laughs) And just doing like any movement. I could be like, now I'm doing jumping jacks. Do a few push-ups. Okay, just got a few. Um, 
but 20 minutes a day. I That's the best advice I give to people who are starting because it's really manageable. And if you have to, you can break it up into two 10-minute periods. Um, but the I think the hardest part about that, it's not that people don't have 20 minutes in their day. I know most people would like swear up and down that they don't, but um, if their child needed something from them or there was some emergency, they'd come up with 20 minutes. So the biggest barrier to that for most women, I think, is just knowing that you deserve 20 minutes of your own time and creating a ritual out of that. Um, so I exercised for 20 minutes a day and just let my curiosity sort of decide what I did next. Um, and then with food, I, I wish that I had a more concise answer, but I feel like I had to do a lot of research. And I thought that that was really kind of disappointing because I, I have a college education. I did pretty well in school. Like, how is it that I was... 25 and didn't know how to feed my body. <laughs> um, and I, I know that it seems kind of basic now and perhaps people who follow a podcast like yours who are already, you know, curious and doing some research are, are farther along than I was. But I was really surprised to learn that like a turkey burger at a restaurant was not necessarily the healthiest choice on the menu, nor mm-hmm. is Caesar salad. And these yeah. were the kind of choices I was making when I was quote dieting before and I don't think those are bad foods or never foods or anything but the choices I was making because I thought they were thoughtful or because they would help me lose weight or feel better weren't right <laughs> um, so I kind of had to go back to square one and learn how to feed myself and I did spend a lot of time researching which maybe isn't a, a good cliff's notes what to do um but I came up with a with a way of feeding myself that felt best for me, which involved a lot of experimentation. Um, and I think it I think it does for everyone. I don't I don't think I could have just gone paleo or low carb or, you know, South Beach and felt good. I had to figure out what of those things made sense to me and what worked for my body. That totally, takes time. Totally, I completely agree. I think that. Uh, it's frustrating because you want someone to be able to just tell you what, how to eat, what to eat, what's the best way, but everyone's going to say something different. And like being able, researching is a beautiful thing, but you have to have a very uh, level head about it because you have to know going into it that you're going to read things that contradict each other. And it's really about experimenting with your own body because every single body is different. And right. starting out with something like that, like you're going to have to test the waters in a few different ways to know what's going to make you feel the best, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I recently started seeing a new trainer and my consultation involved looking at a food journal, which was like, I don't know, kind of interesting to me, but I was just like, okay, tell me, I guess, tell me what you think. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, he suggested that I move where I eat my carbs, which might be a good idea if I was like focused on leaning out or something, but I've eaten the same breakfast every day for like two years and it sustains me until I, I like having a late lunch and it's perfect. Um, and so it isn't maybe I, I eat Ezekiel toast with avocado every morning for breakfast. And it's amazing. Um, occasionally I take hiatuses and have eggs, but I like having a hearty breakfast cause it sustains me all day. And I, I just, I don't know. I'm sure that there's plenty of research that says I should have my carb post-workout, but that really isn't interesting to me so much as how I feel about what I put in my body. Yes. <laughs> right? Yes, exactly. Everyone's going to try to optimize it no matter what. Like, there's a way to optimize everything. Like, that's why I don't even feel comfortable showing people my diet anymore 
because I know I'm going to get comments about like how I should be eating or what would be better. And I'm just kind of weird about that. Like my favorite thing to have for breakfast now is like once upon a time when I was coaching people with their diet, I would have said, no, no, don't have that first thing in the morning because you know, your insulin spike and then blah, blah, blah. But like, I like to work out and I don't eat before I work out. And then afterwards I have like a big bowl of Greek yogurt and um, like Trader Joe's uh, cereal, like the wheat cereal and then peanut butter. So like I'm having Greek yogurt. Wrong. I know <laughs> I'm having Greek yogurt, which is full fat. So I'm having fat after I'm after I just worked out, which we all know we should only have protein and carbs. And then I have almond right. butter or whatever on top of that. So I have more fat on top of that. And then I'm having wheat cereal, which like, oh my God, we all know I'm going to blow up and be bloated and like going to have allergies afterwards. And the dairy, of course, that's going to make me sleepy, right? So like all of these reasons why and I should have process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's funny because that meal right there, I've had that probably for two months now in it like there's no breakfast like that for me like that breakfast makes me I'm full for like five hours afterwards after having this Greek yogurt cereal berry bowl it's awesome and like I don't really want I mean, of course like right now I'm telling everyone what it is but normally I don't want to tell people because I'm like I know this isn't going to be what mainstream like paleo universe is going to tell me to eat and you know to other people this might look like it's way too much sugar or whatever but like I feel really good afterwards so I'm going to listen to my body and keep eating it right well and I think part of that is figuring out you know what is really important to you and what is your goal going to be because you're not going to have the the perfect you know, the, the perfect macronutrient ratio every day. And as soon as you do that, then you might learn that for your body type, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> like there's always going to be a way you could be doing it better. So if, if nutrition and getting it really right is important to you, then focus your energy on that and do that. Um, if losing weight is really important to you for some reason, which I don't love that as a goal because it can be really um, discouraging, but I also know what it's like to be at a size that's physically uncomfortable. So if you're trying to get to a more physically comfortable size or for whatever reason you're trying to manipulate your body, be honest with yourself about that goal and be honest with yourself about what you're willing to do long term to achieve that. Um, but yeah, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. In fact, if you were going to go all, I'm not even sure what exactly that would look like because you could ask three different experts and get three different answers of what, what that is. So you're always going to be failing to someone. You just have to figure out what works for you. Like you and your cereal is, you know, processed and not like if I was going to lecture you, there's, <laughs> there's a part of that cereal that's not the best for you, but that's not as important to you as you like that cereal and it feels good. Great. That's what you're going to do. What are your value systems? What are your goals? What's important to you? And follow that. Yeah. Yeah. Like for the longest time, I did not eat any wheat or gluten. I didn't have any grains. I didn't have any dairy, no beans, no peanut butter. Like my favorite thing is like we used to be oats and I couldn't have oats. No, no like chicken. It had to be just strictly like the fattiest, most nutrient dense foods like avocado and meat and eggs. And that's it. And then like during my bodybuilding thing, because I used to be a, I used to be a bodybuilder like for a couple years just competing with that. You know, of course then it was only chicken and broccoli and like then I had oats and grains and like no matter what though, I always had to exclude something and I never thought what do I actually want? What actually sounds good? Okay. Either like eating for 
eating to be a superhuman that is like a caveman and like super powered and charged all the time and can only eat those foods that charge me up or I'm like the lean machine and I only eat foods that actually like make me feel tired because they don't really give me that much energy and nothing in between and then I figured like I started eating dairy again and after I got through the initial like hump of not being comfortable with it it started to make me feel really awesome and like I felt great when I had dairy now I can have like tons of dairy and I feel wide awake energized and that's the opposite of what everyone is going to tell me and it's crazy but that's the definition of listening to your body um, yeah and like question when you have when you have a, a bit of weight to lose you don't really necessarily have to pick a diet or anything, right? Like you can just kind of lower your calories and start small and just eating smaller portions or eating less calories throughout the day and just doing the movement. Like you don't have to get super picky about what foods you can and can't eat. Am I correct in that? Totally. Um, if I, if my basic advice for exercise is 20 minutes a day, my basic advice for diet, which I think pretty much goes with it, any expert you might ask is vegetables. <laughs> mm. Eat vegetables. They're so good for you. There's so many nutrients in them. It, it's fiberful. It makes you feel full. Um, I would really focus on if you want to lose weight and, and rather than just lowering your calories, but if you eat a lot of vegetables, you get to lower your calories and eat a lot and feel sustained. Experiment with vegetables. Find vegetables that you like and try and make sure that you're eating vegetables a lot. And you won't be, you'll be full. You won't be hungry. You'll probably be eating less calories as long as those vegetables aren't always slathered and nacho cheese sauce or something. Mm. Um, and, and that's it. You know, 20 minutes a day, add vegetables, which is what I really did in the beginning. I changed instead of the primary component of my meal being um, like a pasta or bread, I made the, the primary component of my meal vegetables. And I never did paleo personally. I'm not low carb personally. Um, but I did make sure that the bulk of what I was eating was, was fruit and vegetables, but primarily vegetables. And it made a big difference. I think mostly because I was full. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Veggies have a way of doing that. Yeah. Easy. Um, and with my family, it was easy too, because I would, um, in this first couple of years, when I would make like a, a piece of fish or meat for dinner, I would turn everything that I was eating into a salad that, so I was just adding a bunch of greens to whatever I ate that felt good, tasted good, made me happy. And I got to eat in bulk kind of. Um, and then my family would have it over rice or pasta or whatever they were having, which was a way that I could really easily tailor my meals to myself without making my husband have a salad every meal, which he doesn't enjoy. <laughs> That's so awesome. I love that. So speaking of your husband, um, I had a question. I was reading the about Aaron Brown on your website when you were talking, <laughs> when you were talking about your husband's unconditional love for you and how that kind of helped you overcome your fear of not being loved. And um, I don't know, that just really struck a chord with me because I know a lot of women that do struggle with body dysmorphia or not feeling loved and they don't have someone in their life to really remind them and I'm just wondering like do you think that having a significant other, other like love you can really really help you overcome these body image and dysmorphic thoughts or can you do it on your own 100% I think you can do it on your own 100% because while I have um 
I mean, it, it was remarkable to me and I know it's not remarkable to others in my life. Just like, you know, it doesn't seem remarkable to you to tell your best friend that she's absolutely worthy and amazing, but that may be hard for her to know herself. So it was remarkable to me, um, that this is a man who would love me right after I'd lost a significant amount of weight is when we met. Then I gained 60 pounds and I got pregnant um, when I was pregnant with our daughter and just big as a house, I was, I was very big. Um, and it was cumbersome and uncomfortable. He just looked at me like he'd never seen anything like that. He was marveling at his baby being in there and all the curves of my body. He just loved me. Um, it was hard to, to digest that. That said, most of the women I know, um, in fact, I don't think I have any women in my, in my really personal life that have a husband who would ever say anything disparaging about their weight, who doesn't love them however they come, and that doesn't transform into a good body image for them necessarily. You know what I mean? So just like you don't have to have someone love you for you to love yourself, someone else loving you does not create self-love. Mm-hmm. I think you have to decide that for yourself. So that was really jarring to me. And, and just really pointed out to me more that the problem had always been me um, and not my partner. Before him, um, my boyfriend, who I talked about sometimes, um, broke up with me because my weight was bad for his reputation. And so mm-hmm. I really hung my self-esteem hat on him for a long time um, and just handed over all my power and tried to convince him that I was lovable. So I thought, if I can get this man to love me, then maybe I can love me. And that never worked. So I went from him to this guy who loved me unconditionally, and yet I still didn't feel good about me. So it was really the juxtaposition of those things that made me realize it was my own problem. I don't think, as much as it's wonderful to be loved like that, I don't think that that can make you love yourself. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Oh, totally, totally. Um, because it's my voice in my head that attacks me all the time. And it's, you know, it's learned from my mother and the way she used to talk about herself. It's learned from that awful comment from my ex-boyfriend. It's, you know, I have all of these other voices that have helped confirm that for me, but it's me saying it to myself. That's my inner voice. That's the voice I have to deal with regardless of who loves me or doesn't. So when y'all started dating, was your confidence like average or was it a little bit lower at that time? And did it take that till you really realized that he loves you unconditionally until you really felt unbelievably confident or how, how did that work? Well, it was pretty high when we met. I had just lost 60 pounds by, um, (laughs) honestly, not eating until I had worked out, which was sometimes most of the day. And then I was doing P90X before Mm. there was P90. Oh, no, P90 before there was P90X, whatever the original one was, um, (laughs) before it got all hardcore. It was like running in boxes. It was really weird. Um, So I was doing really unhealthy things. I lost 60 pounds. I was feeling very independent. Um, and really confident, which is what drew him into me to begin with. Um, and then immediately upon becoming in a committed relationship with this person who loved me, I went about gaining back 60 pounds (laughs) and then 80 pounds, um, and just kept growing. And it's really hard to, I I couldn't take a step back and, and analyze what I was doing at the time. But looking back, it's like, did I, was I eating my feelings? Did I not trust that he would stay? Was I testing it? I mean, there's like some deep emotional crap there. <laughs> Why did you have this guy who you knew loved you so you immediately went about gaining all of this weight? I don't know. Um, 
but I would say his support is, is a really big deal to me in my life, but his support cannot outdo anything that I do to myself. Um, my confidence is, is better than it's ever been, particularly as pertains to my body, even when I'm not a hundred percent satisfied. Um, and for me nowadays that has to do with, with what it can do and less about what it looks like. Sometimes if pants don't fit, that's irritating. So I want to get back into my pants, but I just don't, I don't hang my self-esteem hat on my body anymore. I'm happy with it. However, it comes. I've learned that I, I really enjoy having curves and there are really great things about being stronger and there are fun things about having a flat stomach. Like I just enjoy the nuances of what's enjoyable about every kind of body I can have. Um, so that's not it, but I still honestly struggle with that, that voice that says you're invisible and don't matter. That's been the thing that I've carried around my whole life. And so I have to actively work on that. And I do that with meditation and I do that with hiking, but I'll go long periods of time where I feel really good about the work that I do and, um, you know, what I'm doing in the world and how I mother and, you know, I'll feel really good about how things are going and, and how I'm contributing to the world. And then, you know, one snarky comment one day will just really knock me off my rocker and I have to address it again. So, I mean, I would consider myself a confident person and I think most of the people in my life would, would say that about me, but there's still things that I have to work on all the time. It's not about my body anymore, but that voice is still there. And I think that's one of the things that makes you so relatable and like people hearing that are going to relate to you even more. And you're not like you're doing so much amazing stuff in the world that you don't even know about. And that's what's so inspiring. And like you on your website, you're extremely vulnerable and you put yourself out there in ways that a lot of people don't put themselves out there. Even people who are promoting a positive body image, they still don't really want to show exactly all the things that you show. And like your your website is probably the website people go to to see the things that other people don't want to admit because it's so down to earth and it's so real and it's good to know that other people are still struggling. And like you're not saying that you're 100%, you know, better or like feeling confident all the time and there's never a stress or a worry in the world because you're human and there are things in this world that still get you down. And you know, that's I think that's just one of the things that's missing from our culture is everyone's trying to put on this big front like I'm tough, you know. Look at my weight loss transformation story and now I'm um, happy all the time and there's no worries in the world and I'm perfect and I have this amazing body and life and kids and like you're not doing that you're saying like you know I've gone through a lot of struggles and this is how I've overcome it so far and this is my journey that I'm going on and I just want to say kudos because I think that's awesome <laughs> I'm really glad this is being recorded because I may have to listen to that <laughs> 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 on a bad day here and there thank you of course of course okay so switching gears a little bit um, okay, so this is a really interesting topic to me, but children and like daughters, I just, I can't even imagine raising a daughter with what's going on right now. And personally speaking, I have the best mother ever, the best role model. And she talked good about her body. You know, she never said anything negative about her body, but yet the media seeped in, you know, so intensely into my life and I mean, I could list a, a few things in my childhood that I experienced or that I saw and just kind of made me a little bit self-conscious, even down to like kids' TV shows and silly things like that just kind of got into my head. How how do you protect your own daughters and sons from this kind of 
this kind of culture and like you can talk good about your body all day but like what if they see something that's not on your watch how do you get them out of that situation or make sure that it doesn't cause any kind of body image dysmorphia as they grow up well it sucks and it's really hard (laughs) (laughs) um so far the main thing that i found myself having to contend with is not the media um with my daughter so much as other women, um, even strangers. I wrote about this in my book and then wasn't totally satisfied with how the chapter turned out because I still don't really have an answer for it. But I was sitting at a soccer game and this woman who was a grandmother of one of the kids who was playing was sitting next to me. And I just have like a therapist bartender sort of personality and that strangers tend to feel comfortable just telling me things. Um, so she was telling me some sort of intimate details of her life. And then my daughter came and sat down next to me and she said something about, she apologized for being so fat or something to my daughter. I don't know. She made, she made some awful remark about her body and I had no idea how to respond. It was out of the blue. It was not something that we do (laughs) at my house. Um, and it wasn't something that I ever wanted my daughter to hear a woman do. So I find that I actually have more challenges in public and just with other women than I do with the media. That said, um, I'm just trying to, one, give her an amazing foundation. We have never talked about weight in my family. And I know that some people, that's controversial. Everything about bodies is controversial. Um, but we don't we don't talk about weight because there's six billion um, research. Have you seen, um, what is it called? Health, health of every size. Do you know that movement? Yes. Yes. There's so much great research coming out of that, that says that there's not a whole lot you can tell about someone's general health from looking at their size. Um, I really kind of hate the term skinny fat, but most people have heard that and know what Mm -hmm. that means. Um, so yeah, we focus on health at my house and we talk about food. We talk about um, healthy food that makes us grow fast and strong and feel good and sometimes food that we can eat sometimes and we try not to eat too much of it because it can make us feel bad. And she knows a lot about that. We talk about what your body can do. We talk about what it looks like and that it can be beautiful. We talk about um, all the different ways that people can be beautiful. We talk a lot about how everybody's beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So that's what I'm doing now. But as she's getting older, um, there are more media things that seep in. She's really interested in fashion design, and we watch Project One Way as a family. And the other day, um, we were watching Project One Way Runway, and one of the designers said something about this is a part of a woman's body you always want to cover. I call it boob fat. Oh. And my husband was like standing by the television and turned and looked at me like she'd just seen a mass murder on television because he <laughs> like has a different lens now being married to me. <laughs> um, and I was like, shoot, well, we need to address this immediately. And I was like, Lola, what are they talking about? And she said, well, they had to design something and explained what they were, what the challenge was, but hadn't heard that comment. So we didn't talk about it. But, um, I just try to be really aware of what she's consuming and aware of all of the messages I give her about myself, about other women. Um, anything that she's, she's made a couple comments about people being overweight or fat. She knows that word now that has happened. And we talk about what that means and why she might say that. Um, if that makes people feel good. I mean, we just try and talk about everything. 
I don't know. I mean, it's just going to crush me when she has her first issue with her thighs or whatever. And I know that's coming um, unless our culture does something dramatic before she's, what, 12? How soon does that happen? Um, but I just want to keep talking with her about it. I don't ever want to pretend that it's not hard. I don't ever want to lie to her about my own struggle and experiences. Um, but my primary goal is to be at least one example in her life and a really powerful one as her mother of, of what it's like to be a woman who goes about her life without apologizing for the body she's walking around in. Um, I've never apologized for the space I take up. When she points out fat on my body because she sees it, I tell her what it is and I don't act like there's anything wrong with it. Um, so I'm hoping that that will be a strong enough foundation to grow from. And from there, just lots of talking about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'm not looking forward to it. Six is really good right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and and there, of course, will be struggles, you know, as she gets older. But like, even with my own, I mean, I know I'm not the case for everyone. But just looking back, like now that I'm getting a little bit older, and you know, I'm 23. So I've gone through a good seven to 10 years of struggling with it. But now that I'm at this this different age and like I'm I feel like I'm kind of just entering as corny as it sounds I feel like I'm just entering womanhood like getting a little bit older being more of a woman less of a girl and me and my mother are getting closer and I now I'm just recalling how much of an amazing example she was and it's really helping me to just overcome all the stuff that I was going through and that I have been going through for so long. And I finally feel like I'm kind of breaking free and I'm just looking to her as a woman to a woman and as a friend and seeing like, wow, what a good role model for me. And, um, and, and, you know, I think that's that hopefully that's what happens with every young girl that kind of goes through that stuff. They can just look up to their mom if they're a good example, of course. Um, and like I was right. I was just reading the news the other day and this just brought up a lot of stuff for me because like, as I was saying earlier, I was watching a childhood show when I was a kid that really got, um, not, I was, I was, I'm never going to say that I had an eating disorder. I'll never say that, but I will say I had disordered eating because that just makes a lot more sense for my case. But the first time I'd ever really heard about an eating disorder was on a kid's show and it was trying to tell you about how eating disorders are bad. And I was actually reading about this today because I was trying to write a little bit of an article um, talking about this thing that happened recently. But Megan Trainer, who's, I think I'm saying that name right, but Megan, who sings the song All About the Bass, had said a quote. Uh-huh. I don't know if you heard about this, but she had said, um, yeah. when she was younger, she never had the strength. She was never strong enough to have an eating disorder. She said she was never strong enough to have an eating disorder and that she tried it for like five hours, but all she ate was celery, and then she wanted her mom to make a sandwich, like, now, like, immediately. Like, that was her quote. And um, another celebrity, I feel really weird talking about celebrity gossip, but <laughs> another celebrity was, like, on Twitter and was being like, hey, I had an eating disorder, this is not okay, and then just kind of went off on her. And I totally, I understand that she did not mean to glamorize disordered eating in that quote, but it really kind of upset me because... It's those kind of quotes that saying like I didn't have an, I wasn't strong enough to have an eating disorder immediately glorifies the act of having an eating disorder to me, I think. Maybe not gl- glorifies it, but in a little girl's head that like really looks up to Megan or um, listens to her music and just hears that, 
it might like reverse. Like I know she was saying don't have an eating disorder, but in her head it might be like, oh, have an eating disorder. Cause that's what kids hear. Like that's what they hear. Whenever I was a kid and I watched the show about not having one, that immediately made me want to try not eating, you know? And that quote came up and I was thinking like, I wonder how many little girls right now are, you know, not with their good role models or not with their good examples and hearing this and immediately thinking like, oh, well, she wasn't strong enough to have one, but maybe I'll be self-righteous or superior and have one. And, you know, she can't have one, but I'll have right. one. So I'll be even more amazing than her. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Um, I don't think that was a very thoughtful remark. I don't think it was meant to be malicious either, like you said. Um, I don't I don't know. I mean, there's plenty to be said here, but I think for me, rather than getting overly upset about those things, um, it would be better to me to use that as an opportunity to talk to my daughter. Um, I don't want to get into the whole Kim Kardashian thing because that was what my last week looked like. (laughs) But that to me is the same thing. Like there's all these people who are really upset with her. I'm not one of them. But if you are, I'm just like, well, I hope that this is making you have important conversations with your daughters and sons. Um, I hope that you see these things in the world and you take an opportunity to be the powerful voice that you are in their lives as their actual role model and tell them what you want them to know. You know, um, if Lola was old enough to be listening to that song or paying attention to things that that woman had said, then I would want to talk about that. I try to scale everything to six. So all about that base, something that we've discussed. Um, But if she was a little older, that's something that we would talk about. And in her life, and to give her examples, her sister, um, my sister, her aunt, um, was anorexic and bulimic. And we almost lost her. Um, This was all before my daughter was born. Um, So we'd have a long conversation about what that really looked like. Um, She has a lot of really interesting examples of um, struggle and triumph in her life that I intend to use as storyboards as these things come up for her. Um, but yeah, I just hope that people use those, those moments where it's frustrating as a jumping off point for an, uh, for a conversation. Cause what I see, and this is a social media skewed version of the world, but what I see mostly going on in social media is people just attacking. Um, so attacking that thing or attacking Kardashian or usually attacking other women Um, And the things they say and do, instead of being a strong voice for what they believe in or using those moments where they're upset with what they're seeing in the culture to start a conversation they want to hear. Um, I think that that's significantly more powerful than getting angry with her, which it doesn't sound like what you were doing. But you know what I mean? Do something positive powerful. Yeah. No, I totally, (laughs) I very much agree with that. And I, I am... When you say, like, you know, instead of getting angry in a lot of our culture and the women get angry at women, it's it's very similar just to how we are about bodies. And, like, we're, you know, we look at bodies and we want to put them down in the same way we look at quotes. We read quotes and we want to put them down. It's all about causing controversy. And that's the same thing that's going on here. And while I am a little bit – I'm saddened. I'm more saddened at, like, that kind of stuff because it, it's so – it goes – it, it comes out of her mouth so not, she does not understand. And, like, I wouldn't understand. Like, that's something anyone could say. You know, anyone could say that quote and not really know that I could actually be turned around. Like, that's how sensitive right. our culture is to this kind of issue, and that's how prevalent it is with women today. And it's so unfortunate because anyone could say that and, you know, not be heard at all or 
could, you know, cause something traumatic for someone else later on in life from a quote like that. So totally. Well, and it's why the advocacy around um, understanding better eating disorders and disordered eating, um, I think is so important. And my sister does some of it. I do some of it. Um, there's plenty of people who are, are just trying to get more understanding of that disease. Um, but it's a disease. And obviously from that comment or obviously to me, it seems like that's a person who does not actually um, have any experience with with someone really struggling with an eating disorder or she wouldn't have said it like that. I mean, you know, people don't casually talk about cancer in a joking way mm -hmm. um, who've really experienced that in their lives. So I think it's just a really good opportunity for growth. That said, you know, there's really awesome things that happen. Um, Oh, I'm going to drop the F-bomb, but feminism, um, I really hate when I see, um, I follow a lot of feminist pages and feminist work. I am a feminist. Um, I hate when I see them demonizing um, celebrities who refuse to call themselves feminists because I'm just not, I just, why? Um, but Taylor Swift was one of those people, and I was so bummed about that because I love Taylor Swift. Not that she didn't call herself a feminist, but that she was getting attacked for not calling herself a feminist. Um, because I know about how seriously she takes being a role model for little girls. My favorite thing about her, and I know so much about Taylor Swift because my daughter is obsessed. Um, but <laughs> each of her concerts, she picks girls from the audience and not from the front, but from the way back who are huge fans and has a tea party with them after her oh. concert. That is like, so cute. may not call yourself the same thing I call myself, but the impact that you're having on little girls, which I think is really positive, is amazing. So good for you. Um, but she was attacked for that. There's a whole lot of screw Taylor Swift. She doesn't know she's a feminist, whatever. And then um, she, due to some important friendships in her life, came to realize that that term was something that she related to and reversed what she said. So maybe that will be an opportunity for this Miranda person, is that her name? What's her name? Oh, Megan. <laughs> Megan, yeah. Megan Trainer. Megan Trainer. Maybe um, she will get an education, as I'm sure she's begun to via social media and otherwise, um, about eating disorders, and maybe she'll become a great voice um, for, for saying, I didn't get it, and, and now I do, and I'm sorry I said that. Who knows? I, yeah, I agree. I love how positive you are. Um <laughs> <laughs> So I just fill me in on I wasn't really aware of the Taylor Swift thing. Why why was she not wanting to call herself a feminist? Was it for a certain reason or she just didn't feel like calling herself or labeling herself? She thought that it meant that she hated men and, you know, uh -huh. all the all the not true th the things that Pat Robertson said which is Oh, what does he say? Something to the something about um, feminism is about killing babies, hating men, and then general witchcraft or something. I don't know. Um, but it's very anti-woman politics that have made that such a dirty word. Um, so yeah, that's that's why she didn't understand what it meant, I guess. And now she said, now that I understand what it means, I call myself. <laughs> She, I don't know, how old is she? Like 23? <laughs> yeah, I think she's, she's probably, a, yeah, she's a year or so older than me, I believe. Yeah. Okay, um, so my last question for you is if you could give, well, actually, that's, I have two more questions, but if you were going to give someone, <laughs> someone who has some work to do with their 
self-esteem or loving their body and just falling back in love, what kind of tips would you give them? If you had three tips or three practices for them to practice daily, and this could be anything from meditating or, um, I mean, you can say eating more vegetables again or journaling, anything like that. If you could give someone three different ways that they can improve their self-esteem, what would you say? Well, the first thing to me, and this is regarding any kind of personal growth, is instead of beating yourself up about your body, about the way you talk to yourself, about whatever it is you'd like to improve, I think a much healthier way um, and a much more productive way to come at yourself when wanting to make changes is to just be curious. So if you're working on your body image, I would just be curious about when are you saying disparaging things to yourself? You know, what are you saying when you look in the mirror? Is eating really stressful for you all the time? What kinds of things go through your head when you think about working out? Instead of picking these things apart and being really mean to yourself like we tend to do, just kind of be curious about it. What, what am I doing right now? What actually, I just said something really terrible to myself about my thighs. What precipitated this? <laughs> what, what was the thing that, that caused this reaction in me? Um, and just kind of start to notice those things. I think being curious and noticing without judgment is the quickest and easiest way to start um, just noticing your own patterns so that you can even start to change them. The next thing would be to, to just start um, replacing some of those negative mantras with just choosing peace. So if you're saying you're so gross, can't even wear pants today. I don't know. I'm not very good at it anymore. Look at that. It's awesome. Um, <laughs> to give yourself a break, take a breath, realize what you're doing, and just say, I'm going to choose to feel peaceful instead of what I'm feeling right now. I can choose peace instead of this. Um, I find that that's really powerful because there's always an opportunity to feel peaceful. That's not um, a 180 necessarily. It doesn't have to be about fully embracing every ounce of your body immediately, but just about realizing that in that moment when you are being negative that you could choose something else. And peace is a pretty neutral place to start. Um, and then the third thing would be just to move your body. And that's not about shame and that's not about me shooting on you. Um, but the way that I feel most confident and best in my body is just when I move it. Um, even if that's just taking a hike, which is what I love to do, just go out in the trees with my dog and walk around. Um, it's awesome. Or go lift weights or go get on the elliptical or whatever it is you enjoy doing. Take a Zumba class. Um, but moving in your body is, to me, the most surefire way to boost my confidence immediately um, and give myself uh, the gift of my own time and, and care. Oh, I love, I love all of those. Those are wonderful. I think moving your body is supposed to be fun and enjoyable, and that's one of the best ways to strengthen your mind-body connection. And um, those are all things that you can just pretty much start today. And it's not like huge, scary, big steps, but it's steps that will lead to a better you and a happier you. So I love all of those. Thank you. Right. Um, you. So where, last thing is where can we find you? I'll have all the links online, but go ahead and just um, tell everyone where they can read your stuff. <laughs> well, it's all I am Erin Brown. So I am Brown.com is my website on Facebook. It's facebook.com slash I am Brown. I'm trying to tweet because my friend Jen Sinclair from Lift Weights Faster and Thrive as the Fittest is on Twitter. So she's pressuring me. So I'm trying <laughs> to do that. <laughs> 
And I'm I am Aaron Brown there too. Um, and Instagram, I am Aaron Brown. I think that's all the places. I'm on Ello, but I don't even know what that is yet. So you know, <laughs> you're welcome to follow. I think I just exist there. Um, but Facebook is the primary place that you can find updates about me, and I have a mailing list from my website as well. And we're gonna like look back on this in five years, and Ello is gonna be like the only thing we use, and we're gonna laugh because we were so ignorant about it. <laughs> I don't who knows what's next I know okay <laughs> awesome well I'll have all the links on the show notes the link will be mindbodymusings.com slash Aaron dash brown and I'm going to definitely have to have you back on the show because you're so positive and you're just such a good light and um, thank you just so much for coming on and joining me today well thank you for having me it was delightful alright see you later Aaron bye Thanks again for listening, friends. I'm Maddie Moon, and you have been enjoying the Mind Body Musings podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, please be sure to rate and review it in the iTunes store as well as subscribe. Also, please remember I'm glad to continue the conversation on my website, mindbodymusings.com, where you can also sign up for my free ebook, How to Love Your Body Again 10 Easy Steps to Stop Sacrificing and Start Living. I created this book to help everyone that struggles with body image, dieting, overtraining, and negative self esteem to learn how to not only accept who you are, but love who you are. This is coming from an ex-fitness model and bikini competitor, so trust me, I know what it's like to have those struggles and to want to be rid of them. So please, if any of that sounds good, head on over to moonfitness.net and sign up. Thanks for listening!